Welcome back to Russell Street Replay. I'm your host, Nikhil Mehta. Unfortunately, Ron... Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, had a great time last time and really looking forward to this one. Yeah, so this episode, we're going to be diving into some, some mock drafts. We're going to be doing a live mock draft and kind of going head to head to see who can who can draft the better draft class. But before that, I wanted to get your first reactions. We've had a little bit of news coming out in the past couple weeks from the Ravens, namely re-signing Calais Campbell and Josh Bynes, two veteran, really just solid all around defenders that have played well on this team. Uh, how do you feel about them coming back to Baltimore for another year? I actually love both of them. Um, I thought, you know, heading into the offseason that both were sneaky needs to bring back, um, especially Clayus Campbell. Um, but Bynes is one of those guys. I mean, he's, he's in his third stint um, with the Ravens, and this one's a little bit more extended. But he, he's somebody that I think is most valuable to Baltimore and far more valuable to the Ravens than he is anywhere else. So honestly, I'm a little surprised that that didn't happen sooner. Um, but yeah, I, I love both of these. I think they, they fill immediate needs, um, with, you know, some veteran presence. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing about the Campbell deal is that the two years, 12.5 million, I think it can go up to 16 and a half with, if he hits incentives for playing time and stuff, I don't think they've released the full breakdown of the deal. At least I couldn't find it, but it's the kind of deal that I would hope that he gets because you see how much he impacts plays and impacts games last year you saw how there were times where he just takes out three offensive linemen and opens up room for queen or Owe to go get a stop and he's still playing crazy good for his age but really i think important to have him around when there isn't anyone to step up and fill that void and you can never count on a rookie to do that and yeah binds i couldn't have said it better he, he is one of those guys who plays better in purple and black than he does in any other uniform. And like, again, the growth that Patrick Queen had last year from being able to play next to him was, was so dramatic that it actually makes me think, okay, this is, if this is our starting linebacker core this year too, for the whole season, I'm, I'm okay with that. I really love to see Queen make steps and, and especially Malik Harrison. I think there's just a ton there still for him to unlock in the NFL, but as a base, it's, it is a very solid start and, 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 a, and a pairing that worked really well last year. And so um, I think that Bynes is going to be on a veteran minimum deal and we're going to get that's that's just one of those deals. that's super crazy value for the Ravens. And it's because we love him and he loves us here. And we're, we're really glad to have both of these guys back. Campbell's a huge one because of the interior defensive line. And yeah. uh, even in terms of drafting guys. Uh, when you're looking at trying to draft a young interior defensive lineman, it's good to have a guy like Calais Campbell around to help show him the ropes. So yeah. definitely glad to have both of those guys back. Agreed. Um, to your last point there, I think that's huge as well. The the leadership that both of these guys bring, because without them on the team, especially on a defense that you know has a young new defensive coordinator, we have guys obviously like Peters and Humphrey that have been around a while, but it's, it's going to be a somewhat new look defense, you know, whether that's, schematically or with with players brought in and added um, through the draft so I think it's really key as well to have some guys that have been here done it with the Ravens can show the ropes to newcoming rookies um, or just be that voice in the locker room for the defense you know if they have trouble getting off the field um, these guys might be able to kind of kick them in the butt a little bit 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, you know, Campbell's that emotional leader. There's, there was a really great video of Josh Bynes and Jimmy Smith towards the beginning of last season, right after Bynes came back to Baltimore, standing on the sidelines and coaching up the younger guys in a game where neither Smith nor Bynes were dressed. And it's that kind of, it's that kind of commitment to Baltimore that really gets me. And this is something we talked about with Zadarius Smith. You know, I'm not like, you know, one of those guys who's like, oh, I hate Zadarius Smith now. But the fact that he came back and wanted more money twice is like, you know what, dude, if you didn't really want to sign on this team, you wouldn't be doing this. And honestly, in that case, go. Because I want guys who are 100% committed to this cause and this team. And, you know, yeah, you can say there might be guys in the Ravens and this and that who want more money or whatnot. But when it comes down to it, you know, the guys like Bynes and the guys like Campbell's are the ones that help keep a locker room together and, and keep people focused when you're trying to get 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 to, you know, get a ring down the stretch. I mean, that's why Campbell's back. That's why he didn't retire. He said it after the Super Bowl. He wants that. And I, I really want to be the team to give it to him. Yep. I love it. So, uh, you know, moving on to kind of a a big question for this week's draft um, or for this week's podcast episode, I should say, tipping my hand with what the big question is about. Uh, What is what is your overview? And it's you know, we still have a couple weeks out. What do you want the Ravens to walk out of this this draft with? Uh, You know, the draft ends the third day of the draft. You look at the draft class. What what are you looking for them to have added to their team? Yeah, um, I think it is a team, you know, for a team that's you could argue is close to contending should be contending. It's still a team that has a lot of holes um, and some big ones. Um, and I think that they're luckily in a position with the draft that they can fill all of the, or a lot of those holes, if not all of them. Um, I think this is a draft that Eric DaCosta has to kill. Um, and I, I really think this is, you know, I know he, like Ozzy put his stamp on, on that last draft class and DaCosta had a pretty solid first one, but um this to me is sort of like a legacy building draft for DaCosta. Um, and I sort of, I, I told you this beforehand, but I do have a little bit of a hot take as to um, how I think he should manage it. So yeah, um, I haven't heard it yet. I, t- I told him to hold yeah. on until we started recording. <laughs> so I, I've done a plenty of mock drafts, like in my uh, out to lunches each, each week, I, I, I would say bi-weekly I've been highlighting one. Um, and I found that, that the way that the board stacks up, you know, they need starters at various positions throughout the first few rounds. Um, But they also need depth in some positions. And I think that they need an immediate starter more on the defensive line than they do at corner. And I think corner is a position that everyone's looking at because you really only have Humphreys and Peters or Humphrey and Peters, but you do have, you know, two bona fide starters there. And I know they just dealt with injury, but to me, if you're drafting, you know, let's, I mean, Sauce Gardner and Stingley may be in a different conversation. Like if they're there, you run to the podium. But if you're trying to choose between somebody like Trent McDuffie or Booth um, from Clemson, you know, they may not play at least on the perimeter right away. They do have a needed slot, um, but there's a very, it's a very deep cornerback class. And I think that there are less impact, like immediate starters on the defensive line in rounds two and three than there are corners. So I heavily lean toward defensive line um, at pick 14. I will, you know, if, if Devontae Wyatt or somebody like that is there and there's, they go with Booth or, or McDuffie, I would have some worry about how the rest of the draft is going to fall um, for those defensive positions. I've found many times, at least when I'm doing it, um, and I'm sure they have guys that I'm not 
even keeping an eye on. But um, when I do the the mock drafts, I found if I don't take defensive line in the first one or two rounds, it gets really thin. Um, and I, I don't feel as confident that I filled that hole um, when I rounded out. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, I've been writing a lot about the 14 draft pick for, for Rush Street Report. And it's obviously that that pick, one of the tough things, as you're mentioning, is these these really cream of the crop guys, the, these the cornerback, the first, the top two cornerbacks, probably the top three or maybe even four edges, the top three tackles all off the board. And, you know, I've, I've written about Drake London. Um, I've written about Jordan Davis. And, you know, both of these guys bring something different. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm quite there with Wyatt at 14. I think that's something I might want to trade back for and just maximize value. Um, but to me, Davis is like, duh. I think Davis is a generational player. He's he, I, a guy like that is going to find a way to succeed in the NFL. And a, a lot of the concerns, I think, are just about things he hasn't done yet, not things he can't do. And um, I'm with you in terms of depth in the draft. Uh, I think there are a lot of cornerbacks I like on day two and even three, especially in the mold that the Ravens like. Uh, and they have two really masters of, of, of technique in Marlin and a master of film study in Marcus Peters that I think young cornerbacks are going to get a lot out of. And so I think I agree. I think Sauce and um, Sauce and Stingley, I think are no brainers at 14, but McDuffie McDuffie's so good. I love him, but for the Ravens at this point in time, they need that higher impact player. The Chargers, for example, are picking at 17. And while I still don't necessarily love McDuffie for the Ravens at 17, the Chargers are at a point where they can take a guy like McDuffie and say, we just want to plug and play you at cornerback for your entire rookie contract. And that's something you can guarantee with McDuffie. You may not get all pro seasons out of him, but you're going to get a lot of really good seasons and versatile play out of him. The Ravens need just that high impact guy at 14 obviously if they stay at 14 and, and that's where I'm with you. I think that you, you need that, you need that guy who's going to change, change the game and, and also address your long-term needs. I know the Ravens traditionally like to go quote unquote, best player available, but it's really best player available at, at a position of need. And like you said, they have plenty of needs this year. So kind of in this vein of, of talking about the draft and seeing who's going to be there at 14, we're going to, we're going to introduce a new segment for, for this podcast and I'm calling it a mock draft duel because I can't come up with a better name. And basically, we're going to run through a live mock draft here on the pod, me and Aiden, and we're going to each make different picks. Um, we're going to stick with all of the Ravens picks because trying to do trades would be too complicated. But at, at every pick, we're each going to make a pick. And at the end, we're going to compare our draft classes and, and see who comes out as the as the better GM. So um, without further ado, we're using the Draft Network's mock draft machine. Like I said, no trades. Uh, we'll go through all seven rounds and uh, we'll see what we go with. Aiden, ready? I'm all set. Yeah. A lot of buzz. Um, the real question is how many quarterbacks and wide receivers go before the Ravens pick? I feel like that's, that's the big question. Those are the two positions where it's not too crazy important for them to get a player at that position. here but again wide receiver is not my first position i'd go with uh we talked about jordan davis and Devonte Wyatt. both of them are on the board as are trevor penning and tyler linderbaum two offensive linemen who have been pretty frequently mocked to the ravens i think it's fair to say aiden you got a got a clear preference out of these guys yeah i mean it's it's i think there is one that stands out um it, it would be shocking to me if he were here 
Um, I do think, you know, I, I, it's Charles Cross. Um, if he weren't here, I think this would be an interesting position to see them trade down. I know we just talked about that with um, with Devontae Wyatt. I think another guy to look out for, and I know like the interior O-line was something that was talked about so much at the start of the season or of the offseason. Um, but the more I, I've, you know, followed this, the more I think it's actually possible that they do trade down a couple spots and take Zion Johnson, who is certainly a plug and play guard, um, you know, so he fills one hole right away could also, you know, the Heat took reps at the senior bowl as a center and looks decent enough doing that. So that's another name, you know, I think if it weren't for Charles Cross, they may look to trade down um, with the, the way the board has fallen. Um, but at least where we're at right now, I think Charles Cross is, is a no brainer. Um, you know, obviously you have Moses, so it's not ideal that you've signed him and you're also probably getting a plug and play rookie right tackle. Um, but with some uncertainty around Stanley and obviously Moses is getting up there a little bit in age, I think you take, in this case, you do take the true best player available. Yeah. I mean, the couple things about cross that really stand out to me, he's easily the best pass protecting offensive tackle in this class. And uh, can plug it, like you said, can plug and play at right tackle, can plug and play at left tackle if Ronnie comes back. And yeah, I, there, there's talk about the different kinds of left tackles they're looking at in this draft. And and now if they sign Moses, it gives them more flexibility to not feel like they have to go for one right away. That's why Penning was so frequently mocked to them, even though I don't believe he's a top 15 talent. It was because they needed a offensive tackle and a guy who could play left tackle specifically. And with if, if Cross, Ikemekwanu, and Evan Neal, the consensus top player all off the board, then, you know, the Ravens were thought like, okay, you have to go with Penning. Obviously, they're not in that situation now, uh, but with Cross on the board, it's really hard to ignore uh, him here. And, and I will say this is, this is kind of that example of that nightmare scenario for the Ravens, other than Cross going. So before Cross, the Raven, the players who I don't have the Ravens expect to take it all are Malik Willis, Garrett Wilson, McDuffie and Booth also went before 14, which shows like, hey, those guys, those backup plans might even be gone at 14. So if, say, London, say, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson or McDuffie are still on the board here and Cross is off the board, this is a clear and obvious try and trade back situation. But I'm going to play it as if Cross isn't on the board here. And I'm going to take Drake London because I've written about really liking Drake London. I think he's actually a top 10 player in this draft. And I think he's the perfect fit for this offense uh, where it is right now in terms of supercharging it and yeah you can't get that impact defender that you may want at 14 but instead you are just going to make your offense score more points than the other team so I think I think if cross wasn't on the board I think if cross you know if uh, cross wasn't on the board here I'd go with London cross I agree is the best pick but for the sake of diversity I'll go with Drake London um, I'm curious to see how far cross falls because there is concern that like he didn't do that much run blocking and stuff at Mississippi State but I just don't think that Again, as with Jordan Davis, it's not an issue of he can't do these things. It's that he hasn't done them yet. Right. Um, and I just, I just think uh, that that's a top 10 talent. I don't, I don't think twice at 14. I'm with you. So some other players we have going here, you know, interesting. I'm very curious to see where David Ojabo ends up. Um, I've, I actually am kind of an advocate of the Ravens to see about trading to pick 32 up from 45 to grab Ojabo if he's still there because you can get that fifth-year option on him, which makes up for the fact that you're going to miss him for most of the season. You can still lock him down for four, four total seasons, whereas if you draft him after the first round, you're probably really going to get three solid seasons out of him. So we're here at pick 45 now, and I'll read out some of these options here. We've got Ken Kenyon Green, um, interior offensive lineman out of Texas A&M, Perry and Winfrey, Tyler Smith, 
Um, DeMarvin Leal's further down. Daniel Falele uh, is, is a guy who was a big name in Ravens draft Twitter before um, the senior bowl. Didn't do as great as we want. It's kind of faded, I feel, a little bit. Um, further down, there's some, some interior defensive linemen. Travis Jones is, is probably a big name that a lot of guys are going to be looking at in the second round. Uh, Aiden, you got any idea who you want to go with here? Yeah, I mean, if I'd known that some of these O-linemen, especially Kenyon Green, if I'd known he was going to be here, I may not have uh, taken Cross. I mean, I do still like the pick, um, but Green is is great as well. Winfrey is really interesting to me to, you know, supplement that defensive line, like I was saying. Um, I think in this case, though, I'm not quite as high on him as being that immediate starter impact player. Um, and given the run on corners, um, that we saw so early in the draft. Uh, Roger uh, McCreary is there from Auburn. Um, he's somebody that I really think is one of those second round guys that they could go and snag. Um, you know, pretty solid right up here, obviously from, from the draft network. He reads well, he, he has solid tape, part of a good defense. Um, he's from, you know, a, a powerhouse school, which the Ravens tend to like, especially earlier in the drafts, um, has decent size as well. So I think he makes sense um, to me at, at this pick as um, kind of that, you know, that corner that they put behind um, Humphrey and Peters. Yeah, I like that pick. I like McCreary a lot, partially because he's 5'11", but I feel like he plays a little bit bigger yeah. than his size. And it makes me comfortable saying, okay, play him in the slot, play him outside, you know, mix and match, especially when you have two top guys like Marlon and Marcus, where you want them covering the other team's top players. And as a result, you might have to be a little bit more flexible with where you put that third guy. It's good to have inside-outside versatility. But like you said, Kenyon Green is a clear first-round talent. Him falling all the way to 45 is crazy here. So having taken Drake London, again, this is tough to take two offensive players with the first two picks, but this is kind of the, the challenge the Ravens face is you have to be ready to you know play the, play the hand that's dealt. And this isn't a bad hand. I think Kenyon Green is a first-round talent. I think he's going to be an all-pro interior offensive lineman. And – he, he does have experience playing left and right tackle. I don't think I'd play him at left at all in the pros. If I could avoid it, he's a, like a last emergency, but I'm curious to see how he does. I know I've talked to James Ogden, our colleague over at Rust Street report about Kenyon green, who quite likes him as an offensive tackle. If I remember correctly. And um, especially at right tackle, a, a powerful run blocking right tackle is never a bad thing to have in Baltimore. So I'll go ahead and add him to my draft class here. Um, so, so far I have Drake London, Kenyon green. That's a, that's an offensive heavy draft. Whereas um, you have Charles Cross and Roger McCreary. That's kind of a little bit better balance. And I'm, I'm curious to see because the Ravens seem to have a lot of those building blocks on offense. And you, you'd think that early on they're looking for some of their next generation defensive players to come along. Yeah, completely agree. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Ravens going offense heavy. I think so much of the defense was injured last year that, the need like the need for defensive players does stand out. It feels a little bit bigger um, than it probably is. Uh, but I think, I think both of us are in a pretty, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset with either of these drafts um, so far. Yeah. I think this is a solid start. And now rolling around to pick 76 here, I'll read some of the top names off the board. Brees Hall running back, uh, Carson Strong out of Nevada, obviously probably the opposite of Lamar Jackson when it comes to quarterback, because I'm pretty sure his feet are cement blocks. Um, some linebackers, Brian Asamoa, uh, Darren Beavers, Leo Chanel, Channing Tindall are all still here. So is Troy Anderson, who's kind of that versatile weapon out of Montana State. Um, some other names further down, Nick Bonito, Fedarian Mathis, an interior defensive line out of Alabama. And just thinking about a guy that if you want to if you want a guy who is going to play two downs every 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 set of downs 
for you for the next 10 years. I think Fedarian Mathis is that guy. Like he's shown he's got some pass rushing chops, but he's not like, he's not a, you know, exploding, uh, you know, guy who's going to explode the offensive line, but he's going to be really solid. And I think that, that, that might be the kind of player they look for in the third round here. Uh, any names popping out to you? Yeah. I mean, Brees Hall actually is one that I, I do really like him for the Ravens. I, that's one where it's just too early to take a running back given who the Ravens have um, in their stable right now. Um, I really don't love the way that the board has fallen, at least with this third round pick again, I think it would be a position where they'd probably trade back. Um, I think to me, the the name that jumps off the most uh, is probably Leo Chanel. I think he's a really solid linebacker sort of, you know, could learn behind binds, obviously may, toward the end of the year and maybe even halfway through, like start playing far more than him, but I do like him. Um, I think he's a solid option for them. Don't love the, uh, the third round linebacker pick again. I think there are bigger needs, but um, just the way if we're not doing trades, I think, I think he'd be the pick for me. Yeah. I like Chanel. I, I also think his, his, his passing, his passing defense, you know, development needs to get there. But one thing I've noticed and watched some of these linebackers is, college offenses still run the ball so much that they're, they're not getting really the chance to see this. Um, I also like Leo Chanel's blitzing ability. Um, he basically shut down Tyler Linderbaum in a game uh, in a Wisconsin, Iowa game by lining up directly across from Linderbaum, basically manhandling him after at, at every snap. And it's one of the reasons why I'm concerned about Linderbaum Baltimore and in our scheme. But, you know, I think Chanel is a, he, he's a guy that gives your defense some juice and some grit. Um, I think for me here, I'm looking a little bit further down the board and I'm going to have to go edge here, uh, partially because I haven't taken an edge player yet. And I think that is a huge need for the Ravens. It's a position I want them to double dip. And I want one of those, I want one of those picks to be on the first two days of the draft. I, I don't want two fit day three guys as our edge additions. And so I'm a little bit torn here. I really like Sam Williams um, out of Ole Miss, but I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more sold on Nick Benito as a, an instant edge rusher who's going to get to the quarterback as a rookie out of Oklahoma. A little shout out to Ben Dakiu, the junior Sooner, one of our friends of the pod. Really well-rounded players. Back and go put him on the edge. And he has the physical skills he kind of has the early semblances of coming up with a good plan for his pass rush, which is something that in this class I'm kind of worried about. I don't see a lot of guys with very polished pass rush plans in this class. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Nick Benito here at pick 76. And 141. It's a lot of picks in a short span. I think, I think we're kind of expecting them to move around a little bit, most likely on day two. players and say, okay, which top 100 players fell out of the, uh, on our board, fell out of the top 100 that we can start grabbing here. So just to give you some of the names at the top of the draft here, uh, Greg Dolchik, the tight end out of UCLA, Ed Ingram, interior offensive lineman out of LSU. James Cook is a name that's been mentioned a lot by Ravens fans, as is Cole Strange. Um, Sam Williams is, is still here at edge. So I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't reach up to take him earlier. Um, what are some of the names that are jumping out at you here? 
Yeah. So um, Sam Williams was the name that I, I, I noticed that as you were scrolling down with the last pick uh, and was kind of banking on him <laughs> um, still being here. So Benito, I also, I agree that he's a little bit further along um, in terms of what the Ravens need, but I'm going to go with um, Sam Williams again, for all the reasons you said to kind of fill that need on, on edge. And um, I, I know I talked a big game about the defensive line and here I am, this is my first <laughs> defensive line uh, pick. So we'll go, we'll go Williams. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, I actually think this is going to be the, the first pick of this draft where we go with the same player, because I'm with you in terms of who I like here. I'm interested in Jojo demand. I'm just not sure if he is going to be able to be the same pass covering aficionado that he was at Nebraska in the NFL, because it is a huge leap, the kinds of athletes and passing offenses that you're facing, especially, um, you know, him playing in Nebraska. The, the teams he faced are not these air raid crazy offenses that you see in the NFL nowadays. Is that I'm, you know, comfortable trotting him out on all three downs. I would really love to get a pass covering specialist linebacker. I think that's going to be something that's hugely important in the NFL. Lip out of the way first and feel really happy with the future of this edge room now with Odafe Owe, Sam Williams, and Nick Bonita all in the fold and, and allow Bowser to really be that, that roving star Sam linebacker that he is. Uh, moving down to 110, James Cook, Jojo Deman are still here of the players I mentioned before. Um, looking a little bit further down the board, um, not as many players who are linked with the Ravens, I, I feel like looking at this list. Zion McCollum is one, the, the insane athlete out of Sam Houston State. Uh, Jelani Woods, the, the another insane athlete, tight end out of Virginia. I'm, I'm really expecting one of these insane athletes, uh, Jelani Woods, Zion McCollum, um, are, are two of the ones that jump out to end up in Baltimore. It just, they just, they just feel like the Ravens really love getting those crazy raw athletes. And with all of these extra picks in the fourth round, I think it makes sense to take a stab a little bit and say, okay, I really love this guy's potential. Even if he's not going to come in and impact right away, I'll get him on special teams. He can use his athleticism there. And, you know, depending on the position, you know, you're looking at cornerback, you're looking at tight end. We've got some pretty masterful technicians at those positions already for these guys to learn from. Yeah, I, I'm with you on, on both of those um, those guys. I love both of them. I think McCreary is, or not McCreary, uh, McCollum is, is one that I, I have a crush on um, at corner. I think he, is, he has a ton of potential. Again, I think I'm going to hope that he's there at 119, um, especially since I've already taken McCreary in this particular draft. One guy that I do really like as, um, you know, I know you took Drake London, I personally think the Ravens, if they go wide receiver, this is a little bit more of the, the spot for it. I really like Wandale Robinson as the slot guy um, that, that you plug into this offense. I know we have a few of them with Prochet and Duvernay, um, and, and there are some questions around whether or not we know how to use these guys. Um, but I do really like uh, Robinson. I think he's explosive. I think he, he's, he gets open really well. Um, and I think he's overlooked a little bit, probably given how strong this wide receiver class is. Um, so I think this is sort of the, the skill position pick that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with um, in this draft. Yeah, I like that pick. And I think I, I'm, I'm with you in terms of like, I think my ideal approach is grabbing a wide receiver here. I like Khalil Shakir and Alec Pierce. Um, both uh, I, I'm looking for a bit more physical of a guy than 
than a slot guy because I think Wallace and Prochi have that depth slot taken care of. But Wandale Robinson, you know, transitioned from being a running back. And I think having that ball carrying ability is really important in this offense with all of the read options and different things like that. Um, I think for me personally, I'm kind of caught here because, you know, I like Jojo Demand, for example, and James Cook. Um, but but I think I am going to go ahead and take Zion McCollum because I'm not, I, I would be actually surprised if he lasted into the hundreds with his athleticism. And so if he's there at 110, I'm pretty happy taking probably the most athletic cornerback in this draft. And, and I mean, he's six, four, I, I always forget that he's just got so much length, but insanely fast. And the idea of trotting him out there to just try and lock down guys with Humphrey and, and Peters cheering him on is, is exciting me. So I'm going to snag him here. Um, and we're up again at 119, which again, you know, Jojo demand still on the board. I think he's one of those guys that a team really likes him, takes him early or he falls. And of course he falls right off. Um, right before we pick at 119, some of the top players on the board, uh, Jake Ferguson, got to mention Matt Ariaza, the punt god, although I'm, I, I love him so much. I can't imagine taking a guy in the fourth, a punter in the fourth round. It's just it's just not for me um, with Sam Cook on the team. It, it is just not for me, um, but I can definitely see a lot of people wanting to do that. bit as those athletic threats that they're looking for to kind of pair with Andrews on those, on some of these passing out of heavy sets, they need those athletic tight ends. Um, any, any positions you want to look at specifically here? Yeah. I mean, areas is interesting. Um, same with Ferguson too. I don't know if, if the needed tight end is, is big enough to take one um, just yet. Maybe Woods from Virginia would be a guy, but if they love him, um, I do also like Tyreek Smith, um, and Kyron Williams at, at running back. Um, but I do think I'm probably going to go with, with Matthew Butler, um, the defensive lineman from Tennessee. Um, you know, he seems like somebody that, that he, I mean, obviously he's a body that they need on the defensive line. Um, he's somebody that won't need to come in and be an in, instant impact guy because they've got Campbell, you know, because they've got, um, you know, the variety of, of veterans um, blanking on, on Derek Wolf. There we go. Um, you know, they have, uh, Matabike as well. They have people that can play right now. I would have preferred to have gotten an instant starter um, earlier in the draft, but I think at this point I do like Butler um, as the selection. Yeah. So this is, this is highlighting kind of interesting thing for the draft is um, why trading out of 14 might be so important because you trade back a couple picks um, and maybe throw in a fourth rounder and you can get another pick around 45, a little bit before, a little bit after and what that does is in the first round, that lets you take your Booth or Devontae Wyatt, um, Devin Lloyd, even if you're in the 20s, guys that are going to come in and start for you pretty much right away and, and do really well. But then at 45, if, say, Kenyon Green falls all the way to 45, it's tough to take Kenyon Green and leave Travis Jones on the board looking at the rest of the depth in the defensive line class here because you get to a position that you know we're in. I'm definitely in that position now where I don't have a defensive lineman and Matthew Butler is like, well, shoot, I really need one. Now, again, I don't think the Ravens are going to, you know, typically let themselves um, let needs dictate their their draft strategy quite like that. Um, but it is you, you have to take that into, into consideration when you're doing this. And, you know, to a certain extent, it says, OK, well, yeah, the way this draft fell, I'm happy with it, but I'm going to be looking to sign a defensive lineman in, in training camp because I need I need more bodies there and I need to find someone. Um, I will say I really like the tight ends here, and I think this is the right pick to take your favorite because one of the things about waiting for, oh, where, how far do Ferguson, Woods, and um, Okonkwo all fall? Well, 
there's you're, you're going to have a preference. And I think at a certain point when you have this many fourth rounders, like I said, you want to get your guys. And in this draft, I'm caught between Woods and Oconquo because I really love both of their athletic capabilities. But I think Woods is just, I mean, he, his, his relative athletic score, if you go look it up on, on Math Bomb, is just unbelievably high. Um, I think it's the highest ever of a tight end. And if I put that in a room with Mark Andrews, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the results are. Try and find a team that has players that can cover both Jelani Woods and Mark Andrews at the same time. Yeah. I just, I don't think that exists. It's tough for me to draft another big receiving target too after taking Drake London, but I think this is the way the board fell and I'm going to stick with Jelani Woods here at 119. Um, you know, luckily we have another pick right away here at 128. Um, Jake Ferguson, for example, still on the board here um, as a tight end. Kyron Williams, as you mentioned, uh, running back after Notre Dame. There's also Tyreek Smith, edge out of Ohio State. Okonkwo is still on the board here, but honestly, this makes me think I'm glad I took Woods. I wouldn't want to risk uh, him not being on the board here. Um, any any specific players or positions you're looking for now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, looking at who I've taken so far, we've got tackle, corner, linebacker, edge, receiver, and um, defensive line. I think the interior offensive line is still something that I'm looking to, to fill. Um, obviously, at this particular position, you may not get someone who's a bona fide, like, surefire starter. Um, but I still think they have a need for depth regardless. Uh, and then they can, you know, take their pick of, of who's on form and who's, who's playing the best. Um, I do think, I know you already double dipped in edge. I think that's another position that I, I would not be at all surprised if they took another guy here. Um, and then the tight ends, um, like we were talking about, I think both of them, um, you know, I like woods a lot as well. I, I think my pick will be a Conquo um, from Maryland, sort of for the same reason that you took Woods. I think he's also a pretty explosive athlete and somebody that um, when paired with Andrews will be lethal. Um, and, you know, just thinking about the offense where you have Wandale Robinson, um, Conquo and Andrews kind of right in the middle of the field there, obviously with some of our other targets as well, Lamar will definitely be happy. Yeah. I mean, Lamar's interacted with Conquo on Twitter, actually. And it seems like, you know, been like, hey, come to, you know, if they draft you, love to have you. Local guy, too, from Maryland uh, would be exciting to have him. And I think this is where I'm going to go and take my kind of default defensive line player. But it did fall kind of where I wanted. I really like John Ridgeway out of Arkansas because I, I just think that you plug and play him at nose tackle for the net for his entire rookie contract. And yeah, you have Michael Pierce to do that as well. But you, you just you have that locked down because I think. He has the experience in the SEC taking on these really good linemen, these good interior linemen. And that's the kind of high floor defensive lineman I'm looking for. If I can't grab one of these top guys who I think can impact the passing game, then I want a guy who I don't have to worry about on rushing downs. And in fact, is probably going to be a, a, not, not just a good, but a very good run defender in the NFL. Even if you have to take him off the field on, on some third downs, I also think that he can... I also think that it's possible he develops that now. Now, again, I don't think that's a guarantee yet. He's, you know, he, he's a big guy. He doesn't have a lot of long speed, but he has a really good first step um, from both from, from what I'm reading on his draft report and from the film I've watched. And I just think that the, the, the random flash plays that he'll give you where he just bowls over his guy, he's going to get those plays for you more often than um, a guy who's just smaller and, and not as sharp of a run stopper. I think Ridgeway actually offers more pass rushing upside than um, a, 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 a trying to think of, a, of an example late in the class, because honestly, if you're an interior pass rusher, you're getting drafted early. But I just think that his, his ability to blow up run plays means that it's possible for him to pull that off on some passing plays as well, enough that 
He's not useless on passing downs. Again, you're not, you're not going to want to keep him off the field, but at the same time, that's, that's not a bad player to have is okay. Your rotational pass, your interior pass rusher, um, especially taking him here. So I'm going to go ahead and take him at 128. I, I agree. He has a, a great floor. Um, he's somebody that I find myself taking in almost every single mock draft. Yeah, because I, and I think part of it is you, you want to mix and you want a mix of guys who are going to add new elements to your team, but you also want guys who are going to say, okay, you know, I, Michael Pierce is great. And, and I think he's a good nose tackle for this team, but at the same time, his deal is structured in a way where we can, I, I think, get rid of, not get rid of, but release him after a year or year or two. I don't remember exactly where the numbers make the best sense. And I think Ridgeway in his second or third year can just be okay. First and second, first, first and second down, every possible rushing down, you're playing nose tackle. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that from a player, from a player like Ridgeway. And I think, yeah, you want him to grow and, and be able to impact the, the passing game more and stuff like that. But his base is just so high. Um, moving on to pick 139, punt God still on the board, um, as well as some other guys, um, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati, Hassan Haskins out of Michigan, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky, uh, Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin, Otito Ogboni out of UCLA, Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska, a pretty good mix of guys who have been linked with the Ravens and kind of address some of their, some of their need positions. Um, anyone, anyone jumping out at you here? I'm really resisting the urge to take areas. I do just love him so much. Um, but it is just so hard for me to send it, spend a draft pick on a punter when there are just so many other positions I'd rather fortify. Yeah, I think that I, I also really like him. I, I think he's elite already, but um, it's just not a pick that I could see the Ravens making. I, I would be stunned. Um, I think this is one of the spots where, uh, you know, running back starts to make a little bit more sense to me. Um, I would say actually my favorite out of the bunch available now is Haskins from Michigan. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Ravens. I think he's really underrated just given his production, um, you know, over the last year or so um, he's, he's been spectacular. You know, I'm, I'm still looking a little bit at Luke Fortner for that interior alignment, but I think, you know, I'm not that high on him, so I'm probably not going to go that direction. I think I am actually going to go with um, Kobe Bryant. Uh, out of Cincinnati, like you alluded to earlier, I think he's just kind of that solid corner um, that that the Ravens need. Obviously, I've taken McCreary, but you're going to probably need more than one guy um, out of this draft at the cornerback position. And Bryant, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that he plays like Anthony Averett, but my feeling about Bryant is very similar to Averett when he was first entering, you know, when he was entering the draft in that I think that he's just going to come in and, you know, he may not be great, but he's somebody that will be fine if you have to play him. So I like him as like the second corner that the Ravens take. Yeah. So, you know, this is a, this is a pick where I'm thinking about the Ravens double dipping at cornerback. Um, like I said, I like a Caleb Evans and Kobe Bryant here a lot, but Haskins jumps out to me. This is a little, little shout out to uh, Ron tooth. Um, you know, he, he really likes Hassan Haskins as a running back for this, for this team. He's not the receiving threat that I would really want. Um, but at the same time, I think, I think JK Dobbins is going to take a huge leap in that this season's cause he, yeah. he was really good at it at Ohio state. And I'm comfortable drafting Haskins as a guy who is just, I'm comfortable plugging and playing him right away to take the load off Edwards and Dobbins as they work their way back from these injuries. So I'm going to go and grab him at 139. So this is one of the interesting things with the 139 and 141 is it's basically back to back and 
that that does mean that the Ravens basically can just at 139 take whichever player they think might go at 140, even though honestly, there are a lot of guys on this board. Um, I'd be happy with it, both 139 and 141. The guys I mentioned, like Luke Fortner, Jack Sanborn, they're all going to still be here at one at 141 um, after that that 139 pick, whatever it may be. Um, was was there any names that were jumping out at you? Yeah, I was looking at Cam Jurgen, and then as you were scrolling down, actually, I've changed my mind. I think I'm going to go with Ogbania from um, UCLA. I, I wasn't planning on double dipping at this position. I think there's now a clear hole in, in the interior O-line depth. Um, but I, I do really like Ogbania, and I think he's he makes a lot of sense, um, especially playing alongside Butler in terms of that like future defensive line. Um, I think he's a, he's a solid guy to add. Um, in this position. Yeah, I like Ogbonia too. Again, as as that second as that second defensive lineman, you're 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 looking for players that you see both a solid floor, but a couple flashes. And Ogbonia is the kind of guy where you see a couple flashes from him to make big plays, but also I just think he's a solid, a solid rotational player in the NFL and can can do that pretty early. I think one of the things about having kind of an aging defensive line room is these rookies are going to have to play. Whereas, you know, a rookie, I'm trying to think of rookie offensive lineman may not have to play at all this season. Right. Um, a knock on wood. And whereas a rookie defensive lineman is most certainly going to have to. And so that's why I, you know, I think a double dip is a smart idea idea here. Um, you know, I think for me, I, I'm going to go with Cam Jurgen since you're not, because I think that he's, you know, classic, Backup developmental center. I like him as a backup center more than I like Tristan Cologne, even though I really like Cologne. Um, I just think Jurgens is a better guy to have as your your backup developmental center because who knows what happens? Uh, injuries and you know maybe Macari. I've I've talked a lot about this podcast. I'm being a big fan of Macari and on on being you know up, um, hopeful and, and and actually very big on him playing at center. But at the same time. Uh, depending on how the draft falls, depending on what needs to happen during the season, you, you need a, I think you need a better backup center than this team has right now. And Jurgens fits that bill for me. So as we're coming up to this last pick, I'll read off my, uh, I'll read off my draft board here. Drake London, uh, Kenyon Green, Nick Benito, Sam Williams, Zion McCollum, Jelani Woods, John Ridgeway, Hassan Haskins, and Cam Jurgens. And Aiden, if you want to go ahead and, and give the, give the audience an idea of who you have so far. Yeah, I've got um, Charles Cross, Roger McCreary, Leo Chanel, uh, Sam Williams from Ole Miss, uh, Wandale Robinson, Butler from Tennessee, the interior defensive lineman, uh, Chig Okonkwo, um, tight end from Maryland, Kobe Bryant, and then Ogbania from, um, shoot, I'm blanking, UCLA. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I think one of the things is, like, those are pretty well-rounded classes. Uh, one, obviously, you're not going to try and triple and quadruple dip at positions, but one of the things about this draft class that gets me is just timing when you're taking the positions. It's something that, you know, we, we both like to do mock drafts, mock drafts. It seems like you can do a lot of them and it's tough to time exactly where you want to take it, uh, take each position. And it's kind of like learning the lessons as I do a mock draft. It's like, Oh shoot, I can't wait that long for an interior defensive lineman and stuff like that. Um, looking at here, we have at pick 196. Of course, Matt Ariaza is still there. Um, there are quite a few cornerbacks available. Um, as is Tyler Algier from BYU. Um, further down, I mean, it starts to get names you don't know as well. I mean, Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver, wide receiver out of Baylor, who impressed, um, I believe, at the Senior Bowl, is still on the board here. Definitely would consider him here if I hadn't taken Drake London. Further down, um, Chance Campbell, who I actually played uh, t-ball with back when we were very young kids here in Ellicott City, Maryland. 
Um, and Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech, who I think is a one of those guys who is a flyer edge guy you take in round six. You're just like, hey, you're gonna, I'm occasionally gonna put you on the field because I'm gonna need bodies, especially in this edge room. Um, but again, I've taken two edges, I've taken care of that double dip. Um, a couple other names I want to mention, um, Luke Gedeke out of Central Michigan. I just think he's going to be a people-moving guard in the NFL with at least experience at tackle, again, to throw him in there in a pinch if you need him. Um, any other positions you want to look at specifically at this point? No, I, I think I'm really between three guys. I think um, Gedeke and Barno are, are two that stand out to me. Um, Obviously, like I said, there's kind of a need on the O-line still, even though we got Charles Cross in my particular draft. Barno, like you said, is a, is a helpful body, could pop off in the NFL. Um, the other guy is uh, Algier from BYU, just because sort of similar to Haskins with the production. And um, he's somebody that's gotten better throughout college, um, which I think is always really interesting to see, um, you know, if he's going to continue to develop and, and be stronger in the NFL. Um you know, again, as you were saying, I think running back is somewhere, especially if you're taking one this late in the draft, they might just be better off, you know, looking at the undrafted free agents, things like that, maybe some cap casualties as well. Um, so I think I'll probably go with Gadecki, um, just because I, I do think he kind of fits the mold of, of what I need in my draft right now. Yeah, so there, there are a couple guys who, who I'm looking at. Algier is one of them. I mentioned a couple of the others already. So um, another one that, that jumps out to me um, is Neil Farrell Jr. He interior defensive lineman at LSU is massive, but is not known as a people stuffing run blocker. He's actually a little bit better known as a pass rusher with, with some athleticism and a good first step. I'm confident in the Ravens ability to coach up a guy's run defense as an interior defensive lineman especially a guy that's 338 pounds and you can just plunk at nose tackle. Um, he needs to improve functional strength and just be better against the run, better at reading plays and, and getting to gaps sooner. But I also think that he's got the build and the first step that I'm actually kind of excited about at 196. Um, and one of the other names that I think of is Micah McFadden, linebacker out of Indiana, because I'm also thinking about special teams at this point in the draft. If the Ravens do think about that in the draft, I think it's one of the things that makes their special teams unit great every year is that they do consider, okay, my late round pick, I see this potential for them as a, as a player on offense or defense, but what can they do for me as a rookie that's going to help them develop? And a lot of times they're looking for that special teams help. And that's where Micah McFadden could be. And I'm caught here because I haven't, I haven't drafted a linebacker. I haven't drafted a linebacker yet. Um, and looking at some of these, some of these other guys who are available, um, I've, I have drafted interior defensive linemen. Um, but I think because Farrell, it profiles as a guy who, again, not going to be a, a, an especially proficient, um, an especially proficient pass rusher right away. Um, I think the juice that he showed in college and the ability for what has historically been a pretty good defensive line coaching staff on the Ravens to coach him up a little bit and get more out of that player than most teams would. I think I'm pretty happy double dipping and grabbing him here at the last pick. Um, again, maybe a guy who falls all the way out of the draft and could be an undrafted free agent, but I'm not going to bank on that. Um, especially again, if I'm going to take two defensive linemen, on, if I'm going to take my first defensive lineman on day four, I might as well take another one to kind of shore up the position. The Ravens have historically liked to do that. And so I think that's what I'm going to go ahead and do with my last pick here instead of going with Michael McFadden. Um, and that's going to complete our, complete our draft here. And now it's kind of the fun part where, where we get to kind of make the case for, for each pick and how this whole draft class worked out. So I'll go first. 
Um, I love London. I've written about this pretty extensively. And as a screw it, there's no trade back. And he is the legit best player available. Even if it's not a position of major need. Um, I just think it's a player you add, you just add to your offense and, and say, okay, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll be looking for our needs in day two. And, and again, having all these fourth rounders gives them more flexibility to move around. Um, Kenyon green to 45 to me is an absolute no brainer. I don't think there much explanation needs to be done there. Um, double dipped on edge at 76 and 100 with Nick Benito and Sam Williams. And again, this is a way that the board fell. And I really, I really liked it and said, Hey, we can, we can knock out our, our edge need in the first four picks of the draft and open up the rest of the draft. And again, the, the edge depth beyond Williams is not super great. And so, you know, uh, one, one of those, one of those cases where I'm a lot more confident about finding tight ends and cornerbacks um, and offensive linemen and running backs later in the draft than I am in, in, in the third round. And that's why I'm really happy getting walking out of day two with my edges. Um, I went with Zion McCollum, physical freak, just uh, the kind of guy who, even if he doesn't, you know, impact right away um, in terms of consistency, he's going to make some highlight plays for you because he's just got that next level athleticism. Same deal with Jelani Woods. And the idea of putting Jelani Woods, Drake London, Mark Andrews, and Rashad Bateman all on the field together, I'm not sure there's a tall enough defense in the NFL to stop that. And, and again, it's all about creating mismatches, I think, for this offense. It's where they succeed the most is when they create, can create mismatches. And so I, they need to draft players with different archetypes than what they have. I went with John Ridgway at 128 as just a high-floor run stuffer in the middle of our defense. Um, the 139-141 pseudo back-to-back, I went offense-offense with Hassan Haskins running back out of Michigan and Cam Jurgens as a center out of Nebraska. Haskins I like just as a good thump power back in this offense. He's, the, he's kind of the, the, the power to the, the speed of Lamar Jackson in, in those read options. And Jurgens is a developmental center, and the Ravens absolutely need to draft one of those this year. And I think, again, it's tough to find guys who are perfect scheme fits considering how many college op- offenses run a vast majority of his own compared to the Ravens who like to run a little bit more gap. Um, but I think Jurgens shows the, the, the traits I'm looking for, the physicality um, and the athleticism I'm looking for at the center position. Um, and with 196, I took a bit of a stab on a guy who's been on my radar for a while, Neil Farrell Jr., just a really big, beefy defensive lineman who surprisingly is less good against the run, has more upside against the pass. And at 196, that's where I'm kind of taking a stab and saying, okay, I've seen flashes of what you can do. I'm confident in my ability to coach up your run defense as a defensive tackle. Um, I think that's something that's, that, that happens a lot in Baltimore. They, they find gems out of undrafted free agents all the time. Michael Pierce is an example. Um, but Neil Farrell, having showed some of that pass rushing juice, makes me think, well, Again, not a starting option, but if you have when you have to rotate guys in later in the season when injuries happen, I would rather have a depth option at defensive line that has a little pass rushing juice than only profiles as a run stopper. Um, so that, that's my that's my full draft class. Aiden, you want to give us the breakdown of yours? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I, I feel like I should comment. I think um, I think I love what you did with the defensive front, whether that's the edge. And, and the defensive line in the interior. I think that is pretty much squared away with what you've come, come away with. Um, I think where I feel I've done a little bit better um, is in the secondary. Uh, I feel really good about the, the pick of McCreary because if we do have an injury to Humphrey or Peters, I think where McCreary has played, you know, what he's shown when playing at Auburn and in the, the you know, toughest conference, um, arguably in college football, um, I would feel really good about him stepping up, maybe not day one, but, you know, 
a quarter of the way through the season and, and, you know, being a, a strong option there while Kobe Bryant similarly is somebody that would be a decent um, depth piece to add. And somebody that I think would just, he, he was very consistent at, at Cincinnati. And, and that's what I would want in, you know, a third or fourth corner. Um, whereas with, with McCollum, yes, all of the intangibles are there. Um, and he profiles as a potential, you know, potentially like one of the best corners in the NFL it's not necessarily something that you can bank on. So having him be the only corner that we would come away with, I'd feel a little bit uncertain about that. Um, so I already highlighted uh, McCreary and Bryant. Um, I think Charles Cross, sort of similar to the Kenyon Green pick, is just a no-brainer, um, even though at this point it may not be the biggest immediate need anymore because of um, Moses. It's, he was by far the best player available. Um, I guess Drake London could have an, a, an argument um, there as well, but um, that was a no-brainer. I think Chanel, I really like as you know a, a, a guy again, sort of a, a very consistent um, linebacker. He may may or may not have the coverage ability that um, that I know you're looking for, um, but he you know he would play I think really well next to Queen um, in in the linebacking room and would give a little bit more of the run support that, um, you know, some other, some others might or, or might not. Um, so I, I think that, that would be a good pick there, good value um, in the third round. Sam Williams, sort of similar story to you. I think beyond him, there's not much that you can count on. I do really like him as a prospect as well. Um, but I think that he was sort of a no brainer there for me, just because I knew what it would look like if I didn't take him. Um, Wandale Robinson, I think has the potential to be a, a player that the Ravens can get really creative with. Um, you know, you, you talked about his, his ball carrying, um, prowess, I guess, and, and being a former running back and everything. I think he'd be a really interesting player in the slot, kind of using him maybe even in the backfield as well. Um, sort of like a LaVisca Chenault type, type guy. Um, I think he could be really interesting, um, in the offense, um, then with, Butler and Agbania later in the draft, um, again, sort of developmental interior defensive linemen. Um, I think that's probably the part that I'm the most disappointed in um, with my mock draft, especially coming in hot saying that they needed to get instant starters. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I did that, but I think essentially what this would do is add depth so that maybe it's not quite as big a need next year if you lose Pierce or Wolf or Campbell. Um, you know, you have a couple guys along with Matabike and stuff to um, at least, you know, be options for you. Um, and then maybe one of them flashes. Uh, then lastly, or I guess two more picks, a Quanquo, um, similar to the Jelani Woods pick, uh, potentially very explosive option in the offense. And then lastly, Gadecki is just another um, kind of developmental piece um, on that offensive line that I think would would just be really helpful and nice to have. I think it'd be hard to see them leave the draft without drafting uh, more than one offensive lineman. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's interesting about getting a guy like a decky late who, you know, you're not going to need him to start a as a rookie, but you're, you're, you're comfortable with him enough that, you know, it might let you cut Ben powers, for example, and free up the money to go, go get another free agent. I think there's a couple of interesting takeaways. I try and look at every mock draft when it comes to, um, you know, where I would want to be looking at trades and where I would be wanting to sign free agents. And so I think, for example, in this draft, as we were going through, we pointed out a couple moments, 14 and 76, I think stood out to both of us as positions where we may want to trade back 
and grab an extra pick or two. And also, of course, somewhere in here, I'd probably want to trade up in on day two as well. Um, because yeah, it's really nice when a player like Kenyon Green falls to you. But then you're also like, oh, I was banking on getting one of these guys at one of my positions of need, bigger need at 45. And suddenly you're not picking until 76. And, and, and from there, you're like, you know, it does throw a wrench into the plans. And so those are a couple, I think 14 and 76, are the two picks I'm probably most interested in moving out of based on the way I expect the board to fall. And I would say another thing is, to me, I think your, your comments about uh, the difficulty in finding a top uh, corner that can legitimately play very early, which is something they really need. I just think that that option, I just think they need to go sign a vet corner um, above all else, unless they go corner with, with the 14th pick. I'm not even sure that um, I would rather have Booth or McDuffie again, who both of which went before 14 in this mock draft. Um, if they're available, um, I'd, I'd rather sign a veteran corner and spend 14 somewhere else. And I think that's, you know, when I, when I look at the way the board falls, there are a lot of developmental corners I like um, and not so many in the first two days that I like enough um, that I would rather take them over Kenyon Green or Nick Benito. And so I think that this also tells me kind of where I want to put my resources in free agency after the draft. Um, I think cornerback would be one of those spots. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you there. Um, I think one I guess, argument I'd make for uh, McDuffie and, um, you know, I, I kind of alluded to not taking him at 14, but this is in the event that they trade back. What I like about McDuffie is that he's really versatile. So he could potentially play on the outside. He's also been really strong in the slot um, in college, but he could even, you know, back up a little bit and play safety. And that's kind of why I lean toward McDuffie over Booth is that there would be packages where they maybe put Chuck Clark in the box um, and you can have McDuffie slide back and, and be the over the top coverage as well. So um, that's just one little argument for him. Uh, I think he, he could play right away, just given his versatility. Um, but I think they have a number, a number of guys um, that can do that as well. Um, so I, I agree. I think ultimately the most surefire way to, to fill the immediate need for that third corner is through free agency. Um, but I think, Obviously, we've gotten this far. I think that's going to happen after the draft. So it really all depends on on how things fall. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, overall, I'm, I'm curious to see. We'll put it up on our, our Twitter and our Twitter account to see uh, which, you know, which uh, which draft people like more. Because I'm curious to see because I, there's there's a lot of talk about mock drafts and stuff in the Raven Ravens Twitter um, community. And one, one thing I think we always forget is there are going to be guys who go way before we expect and guys who go way after. And so that's kind of my last question. Are there any guys who you got at a certain pick who you, you think either aren't going to be there for sure or would definitely be there later, but because of the simulator, you weren't sure. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you one right away is Kenyon Green at 45. That is just, I, I just can't see that happening because I just feel like at the beginning of the second round, the teams that have already had one or even two picks um, by the time they're picking at 36 or 38, the Jets, for example, are just going to say, okay, I'm going to get the best player available. And that's going to be Kenyon Green at that point. Um, I'd be really surprised if he fell. Um, I actually think McCollum probably is so physically talented. I don't think he lasts until 110. I think that's the same for Jelani Woods. I think both of those guys are late day two players that um, a team with a, you know, a team that has a comp pick is just like, okay, where's the best athlete for my cornerback or in my tight end room. I think those are the ones where um, McCollum and Woods and, and Kenyon Green, I don't think are going to be there. Um, I think John Ridgeway is going to fall a little bit further um, than, than 128. I think the simulator has been going a little bit earlier, but I just think that 
teams are just going to kind of wait on defensive line until a lot later because when you get down to the Ridgeway and Ogbonia, there is less to differentiate them and really say, oh, I really want this guy over another. And at that point, you're just waiting to say, okay, who's the, la- who's the last one and best value that I can get? Yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, like you said, McCollum and Woods probably go higher. Ridgeway probably falls. I think for me, the obvious one is Charles Cross. I think he's gone well before the Ravens are picking at 14. Um, I think McCreary, there's a chance, you know, in this particular draft, what what did we have? Four or five corners taken before pick 14? Yeah, the top four. Yeah, so I, I could see him falling where the Ravens wouldn't have to take him at, um, at the second round pick at pick 45. But I don't think he'd fall too much farther. Um, Williams, I think... Similarly, it all depends on when the edges are going. I'd anticipate that they go a little bit higher. Um, so I think that he was someone, like I said, if, if he, if I waited, he was not going to be there. Um, and I'd actually be a little surprised if he was there at, at a hundred. Um, and then lastly, I took Kobe Bryant uh, at pick 139. And again, just because of his consistency and the importance of corner, I think in those middle rounds, they go, you know, off the board so quickly that I wouldn't at all be surprised if he wasn't there um, at, at pick 139 either. I think the thing that gets me about about Kobe Bryant is on the flip side of Sauce Gardner's crazy stats about not allowing yards and not getting targeted like at all this season. That was the big thing about about Sauce is that he just is so good that that opposing quarterbacks just completely try to stay away from him. That meant they were going after Kobe Bryant. And the fact that Bryant is this highly touted as a draft prospect that people still like him this much after kind of being put through the ringer, you know, you're lined up against sauce and the ball's coming to you a lot. That that says a lot about the kind of player you're getting in the NFL and, and that you're going to get a guy who the ball's coming his way and he's you're not afraid of that. Yeah. And I think that's that's a big thing when it comes to cornerbacks is um, trying to avoid mismatches and mismatches and matchups that you're scared of. Um, you know, Robert Jackson on Devontae Adams is a good example of that. Again, not to, you know, you know, <laughs> be mean to him or anything. It's a it is a near impossible matchup for for most humans. Um and most elite athletes as well. And so it's that thing where you don't want, you know, specifically at cornerback, you want high floor non-liabilities uh, that who can develop into more, but you're like, okay, if I put you on the other team's third wide receiver, you're not going to just be, you know, floundering out there. Yeah. And I mean, you made a great point. Like he was opposite somebody who was not being targeted at all, which means all the targets were going against him. And it's not like he was getting burnt. Like he held up really well, you know, so I, that means a lot to me as well that, that he's able to kind of stand firm in being in that sort of situation where he is the number two corner. He's being attacked in the same way that uh, Anthony Averett was a lot of the time. So um, yeah, I just, I, I like that pick, but I'm not sure that he'd be there at, at 139. Yeah. So I'm pretty satisfied with, with my class overall. I really like yours as well. I think both of these, when you think about what the Ravens walk out of, um, you know, yes, I think we both agree the interior defensive line is a tough, it's a tough position in this draft because it is shallow with, with two guys, two solid first rounders, maybe, maybe three more solid guys on day two. And after that is a lot, it is a lot of big run stuffers, which again, no problem drafting them on day three, but that's not going to give you the interior pass rushing juice that I know this team is looking for. Yeah. Um, but again, you can't, I think the one thing I was trying to remind myself is you can't have it all in every draft. You have to make tough decisions and you're going to see players you want to end up on other teams or even rival teams. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the, 
part I find really fun about this is seeing where everyone goes from who I like at the beginning of the draft process to who I love at the end and seeing where they end up. Yeah, totally agree with you. All right, Aiden. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this, this was a blast and we're definitely excited to have some more mock draft duels on the pod before, uh, before the draft, which is coming quickly. It's, it's in two weeks, which I'm really excited for. Uh, so Aiden, you, you have a good one and thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah. Thank you for having me. 